0: Don't you also believe that the stress I carried in that microbiome from just psychological stress helped enhance whatever happened?
1: Yeah, you see, th- this is my point. It's all tied. It's all tied. So, so there's it's no separation. People go, "Well, is it this to this?" No, no. It's A to B to C, D all the way through Z, Z to A. It's not. And here, here's the other part. It's Z to M, mm-hmm. it's B to Q. It's all an interweaved pattern. So people are like trying to pull it apart and separate. It. No, no, it's interweaved. Yeah. So here's the thing. The major issue you had the breakthrough on is this. It was about rejection. Well, now let's think about that for a moment. Let's just take it a level deeper. Your body, like your, your biome, you're mm-hmm. putting into it things It rejected and caused problems in the system. It rejected, and you kept forcing yourself to swallow what it would reject. It's exactly tied together. There is no separation. The whole thing is one single message. That is your one red thread, is rejection. So you've set your life up, or you had set Mm -hmm. your life up, in the context of that is the lens you'd look through. Everything has to be about rejection. Either you are rejecting or you are being rejected. The fe- it feels more powerful, more in control. If you're rejecting, which of is course. what you did, as I said, is the negative outlet. But you were setting the system up inside of yourself yeah. too. So you were feeling you, you, your own body was rejecting you. So yes. what is an autoimmune system? It autoimmune disease. It is your body attacking your body. It is literally rejecting you, rejecting yep. healthy parts of you. So for me, this is what I'm saying about this. What people don't understand. And it's like, it's why I just love the work that I do because it's so much deeper than traditional psychology or therapy. And that's why in a year we say a year with me doing this work is 10 years. It's 10 sure. years of traditional therapy.
0: I agree. Because I believe it that. It goes
1: to that root and it extracts it, and then you start to see it. Oh, you go, okay. Ah, oh, I'm playing this out again. Oh, it's subtle. It's that. And then so instead of, and then so we start moving to the other side of it. Well, what's on the other side of that? What's the healing of that? Where do I stop rejecting? So the murderer lives in me. I don't reject anything. That's right. It was interesting that I came up with that metaphor for you. I've not mentioned that in the show before, but you know that the murderer lives in me is like oh, okay. So the rejector is in me. I am the rejector. The reject. It's gone on at every level. Yeah. Wow. Right. It's yeah. powerful when we yeah. really understand who we are at that deep,
0: deep level. Yeah. My antidote is um, something I did not feel like I received or gave which was love but again em, 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 empathy empathetic love not
1: yeah but thank you that's yeah. very I, that's why I was saying because again this is a, a conceptual word a, a subjective right. word and people don't really get it I, I didn't throw these it. terms around yep, totally you know,
0: agree but, right
1: you know because you know for me, I'll give you an example, and this is an example. Uh, some people will piss some people off, but that's okay. Uh, I say, does Trump love his children? Right, and so you know, some people go, oh no, absolutely not, and some people say, absolutely yes. And if I ask Trump what will he say, he will say yes. Do I think Donald Trump understands love? No, I don't. I mm-hmm. understand the psychology of it. I don't think he has a f- first idea of what it is in a real sense, but. At the concept level of the individual, do I believe he thinks he knows what love is? Yes. Just as, as I can speak to somebody who speaks a little bit of English, and they do <laughs> understand English at that level. Yeah. That's different than somebody who has studied English language. That's a vastly different understanding of the thing. There's depth to a thing, and there's width to a thing, and rarely do we get that. So when you say the antidote to for you was love there's a very specific combination. There's a very specific equation to what that love is and how it must be delivered and how it must be received that is actually different for you and your wife between you and your, uh, and how she is, or even you and your daughter, or even the people who are closest to you because love is entirely subjective. And we totally. really got to get that. And when we get to the depth of the subjectivity of love, in many ways, it is the antidote for almost anything.
0: Yeah, totally. Oh man, you weren't kidding <laughs> when you said we go deep. I'm in. <laughs> I'm <still getting. laughs>
1: okay, well, that was that was an interesting breathing spot. And we'll just let you be with that for a moment, all of you. Yeah,
0: i pray in. pray something, you know, some that helps somebody. I really do.
1: Yeah, I really do too, because. I, I want to appreciate you for being willing to go to that because it is in those moments where somebody watching, listening goes, Oh my God, that's what's going on with yeah. me. Yeah. And this ceases to be a podcast that is playing in the background, but rather something that's being spoken to the heart and soul of an individual.
0: Yeah. Cool. Thank Very you. Very cool
1: so let's let, let's let's do our mastication round just to oh boy, here we change go. it up a little bit
0: <laughs> bring some energy back into this thing let's do right. it
1: so the mastication round uh is around where we i give you a choice of numbers between one and twenty uh you get to randomly pick one of those numbers and i will t- i will give you the question that is in there it will it may be off from where we're, we've been. It may not, but we'll see. Um, so your the question to you, Philip, is between one and 20, pick a number.
0: 17.
1: 17. Uh, I need sound effects right now. Oh, this is an easy one for you. So definitely go to more than one. The most famous person you've ever met.
0: Uh, well, I met Trump. Uh, trying to think who. I met, uh, maybe your audience will never understand this, but in the United States, uh, there is college football, and I met uh, Bear Bryant, who's considered the greatest football coach of all time. Uh, I've met Gerald Ford, who was the US president, I've met George H.W. Bush, I've met George W. Bush, I've met Obama, I've met Clinton, I've met all the presidents that I've had in my life. I haven't met Jimmy Carter. and because I come from that that particular world. So, um, presidents yeah. and a football coach.
1: So, okay, let's line them up. All right. Next to each other, who would you want to have dinner with? One to one.
0: Bear Bryant.
1: The football coach, why is that?
0: Yeah. Uh, the guy overcame unbelievable odds to... And, and and I would say next to him would be Nick Saban, the current coach at the University of Alabama, who's considered the greatest. Other than Bear Bryant, the two—they're the two greatest coaches of all time. They happen to both coach at the University of Alabama football team. Both of them have a relentless pursuit of um, of greatness. Hmm. And, and I think that you can learn a lot from people like that.
1: So, if I asked you what's the if there was something that really stood out that you learned from, from them, who what would it be?
0: Well, for for Saban, would probably be the. There's a book that I read recently, like Fourth and Goal Every Day, and it's about his. It, he he would be Steve Jobs, if he was in the technology sector. He would be president if he ran for if he was a politician. The the that is the standard he has a high standard and he has it's called the process and the process is doing all the little things every single day as a business owner these are the things we talk about like your critical drivers towards your strategy you know your tactics that you must implement every day to reach your outcome and he mm-hmm. is the most diabolically focused human being i've ever seen in my entire life he's 60 eight years old. He takes no day. I, I don't want to be this way, trust me, but he takes, <laughs> he, he works seven days a week. He, A friend of mine played golf with him a couple years ago and said, tell me about your family. And he's like, yeah, I have a daughter, I have a son. Okay. He said, uh, how's your golf game? <laughs> Good. So Okay. Uh, coach, what kind of defense we're going to run this year? Well, let me tell you about the defense. And then he, that he doesn't know anything else. He literally doesn't know anything. I don't want to be that way with my family, right? No. But the guy is so relentlessly focused. He literally is incapable of having a conversation on anything other than what he's like.
1: He's like OCD for football. Yeah. And you know, he's like, uh, what was his name in in Rain Man? I forgot his name.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But where Dustin Hoffman
1: Hoffman played that character, right? And he's just like, all he could focus in on was, was was that,
0: you know, I, I think you can learn things from that. Right. To do the little things I don't want to live that way, but there's things to to to, learn. He always talks about if you want to achieve big outcomes, you got to do all the little things. You can't just sit there and talk about it. And it's the same thing. You know, um, you just have to do the little things every day. You have to chip Mm. away at your outcomes every day uh it is not big ideas implement them for a month they don't go the way you want move on to the next idea it's not the shiny object it is a relentless pursuit of the process that Mm. will get you to that outcome so that would be it so obviously you're a football fan yes and a university of alabama alum so that makes it a little bit easier Yeah.
1: yeah see so I can fully claim complete and total ignorance. Good. <laughs> I not that. a th- not a thing. I have not even understand how you could possibly call a game football that right. doesn't involve your feet.
0: <laughs> well, it does. You can kick the ball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One guy kicks One the guy. ball. One <laughs> One guy. It, it, uh, or as they call it in the UK, um, I'm trying to think how to say this. Um, <laughs> It, uh, it's uh, I'm, Donald Trump was famous for grabbing certain parts of a woman uh-huh. and uh, in England, uh, American football is rugby for that. Yeah. <laughs> because it's rugby with helmets and pads. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Uh, that's right. And there's only, only one, you know, there's only one kicker. So
0: that's right.
1: <laughs> interesting. Uh, I don't know if you right, saw so. recently, we saw Colbert on TV. And he'd gone to New Zealand and they, it was, and they were playing, it was the all blacks were teaching him how to play rugby. And that was pretty funny stuff because just the no understanding. And he's a, you know, he's a, he's a Southern U S guy. It's right. Very interesting to, to just see that completely Not different that.
0: world. <laughs> that's funny. cool. All right. Let's that was number Red. 17. you going to go to, let's you go, want me to, pick? yeah.
1: One more, one more in this. Yeah. <laughs> number five. Number five. Oh also might be an easier one for you what keeps you awake at night
0: so recently it's been uh that i realized i was six months too late in my business on uh, a direction i needed to go in and um so i've spent the last two weeks um other than this interview and a couple others uh literally locked in my office studying writing working through the problem and designing how we'll go into the year 2020 and 2021 with this vision um but at a certain point i realized oh my god i didn't it's not a it's not a mistake it's just a life cycle we were um we needed to innovate in a certain direction, which we are now, but I was six months late in getting there. Well, I could have started it at six months ago, um, and and that's okay. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we do, but uh, right. uh, yeah, that kept me up at night recently. Other than that, since I have done a lot of work over the last few years, I really don't stay up late. I don't keep, nothing really keeps me up at night. It, I used to go days without sleeping when I was mm. under my old psychology for sure.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. I, I, I was the same. I, I did that for years and I was like, now I look at that and go, I just, I don't even know I functioned. I did function and I functioned at a high level, but right. I don't know that I functioned wholly. Yeah. I functioned at a high level, but it was a lot of this yeah. and not, not enough of this. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Yeah. It's fascinating. Right. right you can do all kinds of things if you're running
0: it with your head and the other you thing want to involve is, your being and my wife my wife pointed this one out to me that fear was driving a uh, economic fear was driving a lot of my decisions mmm um, we, uh, we got to do this we could lose everything when there's no way we're gonna lose everything like it, it, it doesn't even make sense why I would say things like that and once I kind of dropped the the fear of economics in my life um a lot of stuff just kind of fell by the wayside that didn't matter anymore
1: that's very interesting that is very interesting okay so one more which is i'll get to choose one of the numbers so i'm gonna choose i'm gonna choose um do you believe any conspiracy theories and if you do which one
0: Yes, I believe the media, uh, the conspiracy theory of mainstream media now is that everything they do is not only ideological, it's based on economics. And so when you combine the fact that they are left leaning and everything they do is to make money yet they're the ones that come out and and will do investigative stories on people that make money and try to tear them down i i believe the american media and i'm not saying fake news so just get over that i'm not going there but but i do believe that the the media at large does the the conspiracy is that they are not serving for the good of society anymore. And I don't know if they even have at any point in time. And the reason I said it is my own personal experiences with the media. I have been interviewed for stories where the quote I said is different than what they put in the story. Um, I did a, wow. there, uh, I've did. I had stories written about me that they uh, would talk about like, They would say things about the way I felt when they had, how were they supposed to know I feel? And so I understand how it feels, whether it be Obama, Bush, Trump, Clinton, where the media will paint a story that is completely inaccurate, Mm -hmm. Um, then they do it for everybody. But they wrap themselves and say, we are beyond reproach. We cannot be criticized. And, you know, uh, here's a great one. The Washington Post, which I read every day still because I'm I lived in D.C. for almost 20 years, has a uh, "Democracy Dies in Darkness" is their slogan of their company. Yes, and recently um, President Trump uh, got order or made the order to kill and uh, the biggest ISIS fighter in the world, Baghdadi. Yep and when it was done the Washington Post put an obituary up They called him an austere scholar that was killed. Baghdadi was murdering and raping children. He murdered hundreds if not thousands of people. He was raping children and the Washington Post democracy dies in darkness didn't even have the gall to say to report the facts of mm-hmm. who he was the headline was a steer scholar you know dies and these these this is one example of the what i've seen my entire career working in politics mm-hmm. right left i don't care the media will will come up with a story that is in their heads they'll they'll do interviews and investigation to confirm what they wanna report, not what the facts say, Mm -hmm. not what their mission is, and they will report on it. And thus, I believe that that is a conspiracy um, for them to make money and to get bigger and to protect their jobs and to improve their profile and their celebrity, and they mask themselves into, we must be protected because we're journalists.
1: You know, it's it's fascinating. By the way, me, I've never
0: been asked that question, and I've never no, given that answer. But that's true.
1: That's that. I think that's a great answer. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being so honest about that. Because, um, I personally, I mean, I, if I, in a in a parallel universe, one of the things I might have been is a journalist. Because, hmm. as you know, I love the research side and yeah. finding out stuff and and. Seeing where the balance is, and I can remember um, I'm trying to remember his name. John. Um, it'll come to me in a minute. He was an Aussie who worked for the BBC, and he was fantastic. I mean, he was just such a great journalist, and won all kinds of awards because of it. And eventually, he worked for the Guardian as well in the, in Britain, and he eventually moved away from all of it because of all the all the bias. Uh, and I, you know, I held those journalists in such high esteem because they were able to present something in a very well thought out, but yet neutral way. And I just, you know, and I rarely see that, rarely see that in any of it anymore. If I watch, and I do, I watch Fox and I like, you know, come on. And then I watch MSNBC and I'm like, come on. I mean, it's so obviously slanted to your (laughs) point and my wife's like, how can you watch this? You know, I'm, I'm watching Tucker Carlson last night. She's like, how can you watch this guy? And I go, because I want to know the other side. I mm-hmm. have to stay curious. It doesn't mean I have to agree, but I want to stay curious because I'm hearing the same story from completely different points of view. So if, if Sondland said this, yeah, how come he said this? And I heard him say that, and these guys say it means this, and these guys say it means that. That, for me, is fascinating because I know the average viewer is not paying the amount of attention I am. Sure. And if they are listening to MSNBC, they're only going to hear that version. And if they're listening to Fox, they're only going to hear that version. And I really wish there was a real media.
0: Let me give you. A, I agree. Let me. Can I give you one example? I just wrote a whole yeah. story on this. Um, yeah, fabulous. The my. Do you follow baseball? Here, let me ask you another sport question. <laughs> you follow? You watch any baseball? I do not. Okay. <laughs> well, the World Series was just played, and my I'm an obsessed baseball fan for my team, which is the Washington D.C. baseball team, the Washington Nationals. They won the world series. They were underdogs. They shouldn't have won. They kept beating all the great teams. They won the championship, right? Won the world series. They were asked to go to the white house about Mm. six days after they won. Now the sports teams in the United States have gone to the white house to meet with the president since 1924. Yes. It's a tradition. It's not political. The team goes when they're there, the the there's a player on the baseball team on the washington nationals who is the ambassador of the baseball like he's the most beloved player on the team he's been with the team for 15 years he's 30. He's elected to give a jersey to the president of the team which is what everybody's done in the last you know, 90 years, he does. So he goes up and he says, Mr. President, let me present you with this jersey. Thank you for protecting our country and serving our country, because whether you like Trump or not, he is serving our country. And he, whether you agree whether he's protecting or not, that's what he is attempted. It was not a political statement. He was savaged by the media as being uh, pr- promoting, trump's agenda um people bloggers called him uh, a racist for for handing over a jersey and uh his wikipedia page got changed uh to say that he's a white nationalist now and um a reporter from a credible news source started to uh went on to twitter and said i'm gonna now investigate his name's ryan zimmerman i'm gonna the player's name's ryan zimmerman i'm gonna investigate ryan zimmerman's charity because in 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 our world in our world in the united states uh you can't mix politics with charitable work so he okay. said i'm gonna investigate his charity has given three million dollars to to find a cure to multiple sclerosis the guy did not make a political statement and a journalist is now investigating his charity for violating charitable law because he presented a not a jersey to the president and said thank you. And this is what I see every day. And by the way, the right does it to the left. The left does it to the right. Everybody's oh, yeah. got an agenda. This guy thought that the woke world would embrace him for investigating him. That's why he did it. And that is a conspiracy, man. That is a mm. conspiracy. And it's why I'm. Thought I just wrote. I'm so pissed off about this. And because the guy is not political, he doesn't know. He's a baseball player. He doesn't know anything. <laughs> He's an athlete. And so I'm. I'm. I'm angry about it. Uh, but I also think it is a conspiracy that is crumbling before our eyes because people see what it is.
1: So, so that's that's a really interesting point. Philip. Do you think? Do you think that the U.S. Like I was a kid in the U.K., so I was born in the U.K. I came here from Australia um, to North America from Australia, but I followed American public uh, public's, uh, politics since I was ten years old. So i've always been fascinated by it um and one of the things that fascinated me was martin luther king and jfk because that's who it was when i was a kid and i always felt like america was this amazing country where people came together Uh, i was born british i was born in northern england if you're born in northern england you're not as good as people who are from the south and there's (laughs) money and there's 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 royal blood and there's all kinds of even dialects and all that kind of stuff determines who you are. And I saw U.S. as being very different than that. I saw it as very much being this wonderful melting pot um, that where people anybody could become something magnificent. Do you think that the U.S. has lost a lot of that? I mean, you know, you're in the inside of the political world. Do you think that it's lost a lot of that, that now it's, it's so bipartisan that, you know, only... If you say this, then we can yeah. say you're a liberal. And only if you say that, can we say you're a Republican? Or, or do you think there's any chance of it ever coming back together?
0: So I would look at this a little bit differently. Good. Um, I think that is the narrative that the media has portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not live in Washington DC anymore um i live in a small mostly rural town in florida right on the beach a town that i do i live 12 hours from miami that should tell you how far away i am wow yeah yep. i live up in the northern panhandle of florida uh no one gives a flying flip about politics here mm-hmm. they go to church with whites and blacks and hispanics people here judge people by who they are. I net people Mm. know who I am because I live in a small town and they do not ask me my politics. Not because they're scared, but because it's not important. Right. It's what they go to church and they help each other. They volunteer in the community. They volunteer at the schools. They're taking kids to their practices every day. That's what America is. That's what it still is. But Mm. the narrative by the people with an agenda, and by the way, I'm maybe I'm guilty of this too for working for politicians who who use rhetoric that divide. Is that 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 it, we aren't that, and it's just not true. I, and by the way, I've lived a year in South Dakota. I lived a year in Louisiana. I lived a year, or I spent time a few months living in uh, in uh, New Mexico. I lived in California. Um, I've lived in for years in D.C. I know I've lived all over America. I've seen this in my own eyes. What unites us is far more powerful than what is dividing us. But you know what? You can't sell newspapers and you can't get ratings if you talk about what unites us. You get it from telling you about what divides us. And then in everybody's brain, all they hear about is all the division. When the division is not really, people are so sick and tired of it that they don't talk about it here. They just don't. They mm-hmm. don't. Um, I am a Republican. I, for 20 years, I have had a diverse set of friends. Yeah, I'm sure. And I don't care what who they are or their background is or who they love or anything like that. I care and love those people. And I believe America still is that way. I know it's that way in the communities I've lived in and i don't i think you only see a warp sense from the media of what we what we are maybe that's 25% i believe 75% is united and 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 cares about their community and doing good